Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope life is treating you good. We are on episode 87. Got a great episode for you today. I'm really stoked about this. I put together 10 things that I wish someone told me about speaking when I got started. So just did a brain dump just thinking through everything that I, oh, what what is a thing I wish I knew then that I know now? And so I'm going to give you those things in just a couple minutes here. But before we do, let me quickly remind you, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to register and join us for an upcoming free online training. We are teaching you all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. Yes, that's right. Paid speaking engagements. So you can register for that by going over to freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. Register for that and we will uh, see you on the next one that we have. All right. Without further ado, further delay, let's get to this little chat, chat, chat all about what I wish someone told me when I got started speaking. Enjoy. All right, boys and girls, I got a good one for you today. So today I want to give you 10 things that I wish someone told me about speaking before I started. Now, these are in, in no particular order, but I think many of them will be relevant to where you're at in your business, whether you're brand new, you're just getting started, and you want to know what those 10 things are that you need to know before you get started, or maybe you've been doing this for a little while and you're trying to figure out how to continue to ramp up and scale up your business. I think this is really going to be helpful. So let's dive into this, all right? Number one is this. Number one, the first thing that I wish someone had told me about speaking before I had started is to have a long-term perspective. Have a long-term perspective. Now, I say this for a couple of reasons. I remember early on in my career, I remember if I didn't get a gig, like if I was reaching out to a client, I was following up, da-da-da-da-da, and they book someone else, I remember I would just be devastated. I would be so, but why did they pick them and not me? I would be so upset about that. One of the things I quickly learned was that that same client would need a speaker next year and most likely wouldn't be going with who they used this year. So one of the things I learned on was to not focus on getting that one-off gig today, but how can I build a relationship with this client? So they book me at some point in the future and hopefully ideally multiple times in the future as well. And so also this relates to, in terms of having a long-term perspective, remember that building a business takes time. I think this is something Something that so many of us forget as entrepreneurs and as speakers is that this is not an overnight thing. You cannot throw up a website or a video or a few social media posts and think that that's it. Think that all of a sudden that if you build it, they will come, that all of a sudden the bookings are going to magically start pouring in, that you're going to get tens of thousands of dollars of speaking overnight. For most speakers, it takes several years to go from a brand new speaker to being able to do it full time. It just takes a while. And so you cannot speed up that process. You cannot shortcut the system. It just takes 
time. Now, the longer you speak, the better you become, the easier it becomes to get bookings, but it's a long-term game. So view your speaking business as a marathon, not a sprint. So number one, have a long-term perspective. Second thing that I wish someone had told me early on, is that this is a relationship business. This is a relationship business. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. This is true in a variety of different contexts as a speaker. So it's true, first of all, with meeting and event planners. They hire speakers that they like, speakers that will make them look good in their job. And so, for example, if you are in the position to hire a speaker for any type of event or even just a a service professional for anything, all things being equal, you're going to hire someone that you actually like someone that seems genuinely nice, someone that seems trustworthy. I heard it said one time that you should treat all meeting planners, even the frustrating ones that you want to punch in the face, like treat them like you would your parents or your grandparents. Be kind, be patient, be respectful. And that's not just true with building relationships with meeting planners and event planners, but also with other speakers. I know that my first full year as a speaker, the largest source of my bookings came from other speakers. Let me say that again. My very first full year as a speaker, largest source of my bookings came from other speakers. Why? Because speakers refer other speakers for business all the time. And so for many speakers, it continues to be one of the largest sources of their business. Why? Or how does this happen? Well, for a few reasons. Like if you invite me to speak and I can't do it for whatever reason, maybe I'm booked, maybe I'm on vacation, maybe the budget isn't a fit for my fee, maybe you're looking for a topic I don't really speak about. Those things can happen, and so I want to be able to refer someone else. Plus, like I mentioned before, in the speaking industry, most clients won't have the same speaker year after year after year. They want different speakers to mix it up. And so if I were to speak this year at a conference, they may not have me back for four or five years. But in the meantime, I would love to be able to recommend another speaker that would also do a great job. So building relationships with speakers is critically important for booking gigs and building a long-term business, but it's also extremely valuable for just camaraderie. Like being a speaker, the fact is, is it can be very, very lonely. It can be very, very isolating. You have these amazing highs, but also you have these terrible lows. And so it helps to have other people on the journey that you can talk to, that you can lean on, that you can learn from, that you can share the highs and lows of the journey with. So number two, remember this is a relationship business. Number three is to be just as good off stage as you are on stage. Be just as good off stage as you are on stage. If you are an amazing speaker, but you're a pain in the butt to work with, people won't want to book you. I've heard from several meeting planners, event planners that we've worked with, and they've worked with speakers before who were great on stage, but something happened behind the scenes that made them not want to hire that speaker again. Now, you may be thinking, well, Grant, I'm, I mean, I'm not some diva just depending on only red Skittles and European imported spring water in my dressing room or my private jet. But here's something to remember. At any given event, there are hundreds of moving pieces. So the easier you can make life for the client, the better. The more low maintenance you are, the less you need from them, the easier you are to deal with, the more organized you are. Doing little things like showing up on time, sticking to your scheduled speaking time, responding quickly to emails and getting clients what they need, all of those things make a huge, huge difference. I know in our business, we've got recommendation letters from clients who said, Grant was a great speaker, but he was so easy and stress-free to work with. 
Like a potential client reads that and thinks, that's awesome. That's one less thing that I have to worry about at my event. There are, again, so many moving pieces at an event. The speaker should be one of the last things that they should have to worry about. And so this is important, not just for repeat business, but hopefully for having them hire you again in the future. But also remember that clients talk to each other. They ask each other, who have they worked with? Who have they hired? Who have they used? Who would they hire again? Who would they not hire again? I know of one particular national organization with several state conferences that I've spoke at before. And at their national conference, all of the state directors have a bunch of different meetings, several days worth of meetings. And one of those meetings is specifically to discuss what speakers they've worked with and who they would and wouldn't recommend. It happens all the time. It happens in a formal setting like that. It also happens in just casual ways of emailing another organization. Who have you worked with? Who have you used? Who did you recommend? Who did you have? I saw that you brought in so-and-so this year. Were they a good speaker? Would you hire them again? So you want to be just as good offstage as you are on stage. Number four. Number four is that your best marketing is a great talk. Your best marketing is a great talk. Think about the, the products and services that you love and talk about the most. You know, for example, there's a new restaurant where we live a few minutes from where we are that we go to just about every single week. Like we are there a ridiculous amount. Like it started off as this little food truck and then they recently opened a physical location. And we tell everyone about it. Like we, when we have visitors or family, friends come to town, we take them to this restaurant. Like the owners and the wait staff, they know us by name now. Like we go there so frequently. It's ridiculous. And so why do we go there so often? Why do we tell everyone about it? Because the food is so freaking good. Like I don't see them advertising anywhere. It's actually, it's a tiny crowded little place with seating for literally only about 25 people. It's kind of like a little hole in the wall place. It's not even easy to find, but because the food is so great, I tell everyone about, I mean, heck, I'm talking about it right now. Because so the same thing is true with speaking. If you're an amazing speaker, people notice that. And so sometimes you'll have audiences who are looking for a speaker. But more often is the case I found is that you never know who is in the audience and when they or someone they know will need a speaker in the future. I've got bookings over the years that started with someone who saw me two, three, four, five years before. And then somehow they or someone that they knew needed a speaker and they thought of me. And in many cases, they don't even remember much of the talk or may, may not have even met me, but they remembered it was a quality presentation. They remember that the audience enjoyed it. And so they're willing to recommend me to someone else. And so yes, focus on your marketing to get gigs. And we're going to talk about more about that in a minute here, but also focus on being insanely good as a speaker. And one of the ways that you can do that is to focus on giving one talk. Like, listen, the, the best speakers in the world, they don't have 19 different talks that they give. They have one talk that they give that is extremely well rehearsed and dialed in. It is their absolute best material. The jokes are refined and polished. The stories are tested and proven. Their material works extremely well because they are focused on that single talk versus trying to give a bunch of different talks to a bunch of different types of audiences. So top-notch speakers, along with being really clear on their topic, Know that just delivery-wise, top-notch speakers don't just wing it. Like They don't just make stuff up on the fly. They spend hours and hours and hours writing, crafting, practicing, rehearsing their material. And so you have to have that same level of commitment if you want to be a top-notch speaker. The best speakers in the world, the best talks and presentations in the world isn't because someone is just lucky or just because they got up there and they just shot from the hip. It is not like that at all. So spend the time, invest the time, not only in creating your talk, but also in 
rehearsing and practicing to deliver your talk. Because again, number four, your best marketing is a great talk. Number five, number five is to stop searching for an agent or a bureau to book you. Stop searching for an agent or a bureau to book you. Now, we talked about this back in episode 24, talked about bureaus in episode 24. So you're going to want to listen to that for more in-depth discussion here. And then in episode 46, we talked about speaker agents. So episode 24 and episode 46, listen to those. But listen, don't worry about speaker bureaus or agents, all right? I hate to burst your bubble, but I can just about guarantee that they are not interested in you. Like I said, back in episode 24, we talked to the president of a major speaker bureau. And one of the things he said that I really liked is he said that bureaus manage demand, they don't create demand. Bureaus manage demand, they don't create demand. Meaning that if you aren't already getting a lot of demand and interest in your speaking and booking gigs on your own, a bureau isn't going to magically create that demand for you. It's not like they have a ton of potential bookings and darn it, they're just short on speakers these days. Like that is not the case at all. I know even for me, I made this mistake of I wasted time trying to connect with bureaus or find an agent who would just bring me bookings, but that just doesn't happen. Like in my 500 plus paid speaking engagements, I would say less than 10 have actually come from a bureau. And so if a bureau gets me a booking, that's great, but I'm not going to build my business based on that. And so again, the bottom line is if you can't book yourself, a bureau or an agent isn't going to be able to book you either. So stop looking for a freaking magical speaker booking unicorn that doesn't exist. All right. So again, number five is stop searching for an agent or a bureau to book you. Number six, Number six is to find a speaker to model. Find a speaker to model. I've always found this exercise to be incredibly helpful in business and in life. You're not looking for someone that you can just mimic their every move and copy anything that they do. That's not what I'm saying at all. But rather find a speaker who is speaking on a similar subject that you're interested in and to the types of audiences and events that you want to speak at. Now, you want to look for a speaker who may just be a few steps ahead of you, not like light years away. Don't think, well, I want to be a motivational speaker like Tony Robbins. So let's just see what Tony's up to these days. Let's see what he's speaking at. No, no. Like who is someone who is a year or two ahead of you? See what events they are speaking at. Now, why is this effective? Because they are proving a model for the kind of speaking business that you want to have. If you start scanning around, you can't find anyone who is speaking on something similar or to the audiences that you want to speak to. That is not a good thing. You want to find where markets already exist and where speakers are already being hired. And so this exercise will help you to learn what organizations, what corporations, what associations, what groups will pay for speakers, plus what topics and subject matters that they are willing to pay for as well. So again, number six here, find a speaker to model. Number seven is to invest in yourself and your business. Invest in yourself and your business. When I got started, before I I'd even booked my first paid event, I remember I invested $1,000 to attend a speaker training event in Dallas. It cost me another $500, $750 bucks in, in travel. But by investing in my business, I was able to learn more about the industry, learn how to find bookings, how much to charge, how to market myself. And so this investment not only shaved years off my learning curve because of what I learned, but I was able to get two bookings within a few weeks of, from what I learned that way more than paid for the investment. And to this day, I continue to invest in my business. I've invested thousands and thousands of dollars to attend conferences, attend um, marketing events and opportunities, to travel to meet other speakers or entrepreneurs, to hire private coaching, to hire consultants, to invest in courses and trainings and more. And so I'll admit that 
investing and, and training or coaching is difficult for me because I want to see a return on an investment and I want that return immediately. Now, sure, there are times where I could save a few bucks and instead of investing in myself or my business in some way, I could just try to figure it out on my own. But there's a trade-off of that wasted time, of that lost energy and effort that could have been put to better use. And so sometimes it's investing in yourself through training or coaching or courses, but investing in your business may also mean that hiring staff when the timing is right, or investing in software tools to help you grow or run your business more effectively. But you have to be willing to invest in yourself and in your business. Number eight, number eight is to know that marketing never stops. Marketing never stops. In the beginning of your speaking career, it can feel like just pushing this boulder uphill. It can feel like every single booking you get, you have to scratch and claw and scrape your way to. And while it's true that the longer you speak, the easier it gets, you still have to market yourself and stay top of mind to get booked. I know I've had it a few times in my career where I felt like I've had a lot of bookings and they would just continue to come in. And so I would take my foot off of the gas and then I'd end up with these huge gaps in my calendar because there were months that should have been busy that they were just dead. And so never stop marketing your business. And so that means doing things like asking for testimonials after every gig, asking the client who you've worked with, if there are other groups or organizations that they know of that you could speak to that could use a talk like yours, constantly following up with potential leads, always filming your talks, not only to watch them to improve, but to have footage for future demo videos, follow up with clients for repeat business, pay attention to what other speakers are speaking at in your industry, attend industry events to network with potential clients and decision makers and other speakers, but never stop marketing your speaking business. Number nine, number nine is that you can't speak about anything and everything. You can't speak about anything and everything. This is a huge challenge for so many speakers in the beginning is because we want to speak about anything and everything. And this happens primarily because we just we just want to speak. We don't really care who it's for or what we speak about, but you cannot build a business that way. One of the most important things you can do as a speaker is to draw a line in the sand, pick the audiences and the topics that you speak to, and ruthlessly focus on those I know several years ago, almost a decade ago, when I got started speaking, I spoke primarily to high school students. I didn't speak at colleges. I didn't talk to parents. I didn't do corporate stuff. I didn't do elementary or junior high stuff, just high school events. And so after several years, then I branched out, I pivoted, and I added some different stuff in, and the business has continued to evolve. And so today, I don't really do any high school events. And it's a lot easier to say no to those invites because it doesn't align with what my business is like today. And so it may take a few gigs to figure it out, but be super clear on what you speak about and what you don't speak about and who you speak to and also who you are not a good fit for. So again, number nine is to realize that you can't speak on anything and everything. And then finally, last one, number 10 is to don't let being a speaker get in the way of being a human. Don't let being a speaker get in the way of being a human. The nature of speaking is that you're gone a lot. You're gone from your family. You're gone from your friends. You're gone from what most people would call a normal life. And so being a speaker can be a lot of fun, but can also be very lonely and isolating and draining. You end up spending a lot of time on planes and waiting at airports and sitting in hotel rooms and eating meals by yourself. It's not all glamorous and sexy all the time. Like you have to be ready for the other side of it too. And so one of my favorite sayings that I use a lot is that who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are 
is more important than what you do. Meaning, if you're a great speaker and every audience and event planner loves you, but you're the shell of a human being, or you suck as a husband or a wife or a mother or as a father, it is just not worth it. Like, it's really not. Like, there are far too many speakers in this business who have failed or horribly damaged marriages or or they have strained relationships with their kids. Maybe they have no friends to speak of. They have no hobbies. They have nothing that they enjoy doing that's fun in their life. Don't let that happen to you. Even back in episode 60, my wife and I had a long conversation on the podcast where we talked all about how we've made it work over the years as I've been traveling and speaking. And so having that foundation with your family and your friends is so much more important than a check or a standing ovation or any number of countless opportunities that may come your way. So just remember that who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. All right, so let's recap these 10 things that I wish someone had told me about speaking before I got started. Number one, have a long-term perspective. Number two, remember this is a relationship business. Number three, be just as good off stage as you are on stage. Number four, your best marketing is a great talk. Number five, stop searching for a bureau or agent to book you. Number six, find a speaker to model. Number seven, invest in yourself and your business. Number eight, marketing never stops. Number nine, you can't speak on anything and everything. And number 10, don't let being a speaker get in the way of being a human. So those are the 10 things that I wish someone had told me before I got started speaking. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that little conversation and discussion all about what I wish someone told me about speaking when I got started. So there you go. Hey, as always, if you have questions or if there's anything we can do to help you and support you on your journey to building your speaking empire, then uh, feel free to reach out to us anytime. You can email us at support at thespeakerlab.com. Definitely stop by thespeakerlab.com and uh, let us know what you're working on. If you have any questions that you'd like us to have to answer on an upcoming episode of the show, be sure and uh, leave us a voicemail or you can uh, write in your question and we would love to hear from you. We'll catch you next time, my friend. You're awesome. 